Hello and welcome to the Raw Fork Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Marina Buxov, and I'm a functional medicine pharmacist in New York, as well as an integrative health coach and clinical herbalist. I'm pleased to go into season three of this podcast and continue to bring on other holistic-minded pharmacists and healthcare professionals to the show. I'm constantly inspired by my guests and their stories and love sharing their points of view with you all. Please enjoy the show. Hi everyone, in today's episode of the Raw Fork Podcast, we will discuss riveting healthcare education topics and brainstorm about how to improve our current system. I'm honored to introduce to you today, Dr. Luisa Wolowiecki, a functional medicine pharmacist. Professionally, she is a pharmacist with over 35 years experience in a variety of practice settings from acute care to retail and almost everything in between. Dr. Luisa has evolved from taking a traditional reactive approach to a preventative approach in patient care by transitioning into a functional medicine practitioner. In this space, she plans to provide knowledge and guidance to help individuals become the healthy, thriving person they're meant to be. Personally, Dr. Luisa is an Italian-American, a wife, a mother of three children, an avid tennis player, aspiring cook, and dog mom. She currently resides in Scottsdale, Arizona, and enjoys spending time outdoors, traveling, and of course, spending time with her family. So I hope you guys enjoyed the show, and I'll see you guys back here next week. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Raw Fork Podcast. I have with me today the esteemed pharmacist, Dr. Luisa Wolowiecki. Did I say that correctly? Wolowiecki, yes, that's exactly right. (laughs) She's a functional medicine pharmacist and a healthy aging educator. So welcome to the show, Dr. Luisa. Why, thank you very much for inviting me. So uh, just to start the show off, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, maybe where you grew up and trained, and how you became a pharmacist. Okay. Um, I grew up in Ohio, in Canton, Ohio. Uh, It's, you know, kind of a smaller town. Uh, Grew up very much in the middle, Midwest, I guess, very much in the middle. Uh, Very traditional upbringing. Uh, The thing that was a little bit unusual was that my parents are both uh, Italian immigrants. Uh, So I kind of brought that into a very different kind of environment then than it is now. I grew up in the 1960s and 70s, um, and I was always interested in science. And at that time, it was one of those things to just even encourage my parents to send a young lady off to college because that just wasn't something that you did in Italy back then. You know, young ladies pretty much stayed with their parents until they married And so I remember it was just kind of even a struggle just getting off to college, which I'm really happy that I did. Um, I made the decision to go to Ohio Northern University. At the time, it offered the best, you know, program for what what my needs were. Um, I was looking to get into pharmacy because I really enjoyed, um, I really enjoyed science and I really enjoyed um, helping others, you know, even when I was younger. Um, and I thought that I would like it, and I did. And it was challenging, of course, like it is for all of us. And uh, right after I got out of pharmacy school, um, you know, I went to work a, a, as a hospital pharmacist, I guess, and ended up here in Phoenix, which we live here now. Uh, but it's kind of been kind of a, a, a funny journey. But um, anyway, so I enjoyed being in, in, as a hospitalist and working in that environment, acute care. Um, but then... Somewhere down the road, I, I kind of 
you know, got interested in, you know, more of a direct patient care, I guess. And um, it, it's kind of evolved over, over time. Um, it, it, it was one of those things where, you know, you, sometimes you, you go into an area thinking that that's, you're going to be your life forever. And then things just kind of change and impact you in a different way. And it kind of, you know, changed my path over to where I, you know, I decided to go back to school. I got my PharmD. Um, I did more direct patient care and I enjoyed that a lot. And I recognized that even in a very like small semi-rural setting in Ohio, which is where we were at the time, um, I, I really enjoyed taking care of patients uh, directly. I love the fact that they came into the pharmacy there and said, hey, can you help me? Or look at how expensive this is, you know, what can you do, <laughs> you know, or what do you think about this? Or, hey, I've got this going on. And I just, I love that. So, and now I've kind of gotten to where I've gotten away from retail, you know, altogether. I'm just, I'm very happy with um, kind of pivoting into more of a functional medicine approach because I feel like we're looking at root causes of, of what's causing illness and, and ailments and disease and chronic, you know, management, which because, you know, I'm in my fifties, um, you know, I'm seeing more and more of that with my peers and it, it, it just brings all that forefront to where healthy aging is. So it's so critical and so important to how you live your life when you're in your seventies and your eighties, you know? So, uh, I'm kind of just pursuing that aspect of it now where, you know, just because you have certain things that your parents had, as they age, that doesn't mean you have to develop them, you know? And so, uh, you know, my goal is to kind of help others kind of to go down a more healthy sort of path as they enter the next phase kind of of their life where, you know, their kids are grown and, you know, maybe they're just in a different part of their life where they have to really think about their health and, and being able to live it to the fullest, I guess, is kind of where we are. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. That is such a hot topic right now in a growing area of interest because we have yeah. more and more medical advancements and living advancements that now people are able to survive and live uh, up until like, you know, very longevity, high ages, but we do want to support the quality of life that they have at every age, you know, and Correct. every phase of life can be beautiful. You don't have to start, you know, strive not to age at all, but you can strive to right. gracefully and beautifully Correct. And support your body and all the functions that it has and um, all the all the ways that it balances itself out um, through every age. And you can just kind of like create a harmony with that instead of a war with yourself about that. Correct. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Because it is, you know, instead of fighting it, you know, you need to just develop and get the habits where you're, you're aging well and you're able to enjoy your life, you know, and do the things that you truly enjoy as you're in this other stage of your, of your life. Yeah, I, I absolutely think that the goal of health and wellness and medicine is to support the way we feel um, at every age. So it's not like to strive for a certain beautiful, perfect age, but it's to strive for uh, a healthiness and wellness and happiness at every stage of your life and meet yourself where you are. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about, I mean, I know you were interested in health and wellness and um, loved patients uh, and interactions and stuff like that, but what exactly was your experience in pharmacy school like? You know, what uh, did you like about it? Maybe what you didn't like about it? And how did those interests 
change and evolve over time to bring you to this um, anti-aging and functional medicine approach? Um, you know, it, it's funny. I went to school a long time ago. So the programs are the same, but they're, they're different. You know, very, very traditionally trained. Um, I remember, you know, the importance when we had medicinal chemistry and pharmacology, of course, um, it really impacted me that you could look at a structure and kind of understand how, how it works, you know, like that just blew my mind away, I remember. And, and I remember we were trained so much so at the time to, you know, if you have a condition, this is how you treat it, you yeah. know, and, and, and that, and that was that, I mean, it was just like it existed in its own little bubble almost, you know, you have hypertension, this is what you do. If you have this, this is what you do. And, you know, you know, over time, like, and that's fine and good. All right. And then you fast forward and you, you see how many medications have come out now, you know, that I feel it is kind of just a band aid for things that, that maybe like, I feel really good about the fact that I, I knew early on that I didn't want to take most of the medications that I studied, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I knew that. And so I, I made a really good effort to take care of myself, you know, and, and to really to, to, to do the pathways where, you know, uh, not drink too much, you know, eat really healthy, even when people didn't know what that meant, you know, back yeah. in the 80s and 90s. So much of that's really changed even now. Um, but I'm really thankful that I had that path and that um, I paid attention to things, you know, and, and was good about exercise and all those things, even when it wasn't as important as, as it is now, you know, so um, the things in pharmacy school was still, it was very traditional. It was more of you're treating an ailment. Um, I enjoyed, um, when I went back and got my PharmD, like almost, gosh, 15 years after I graduated, because when I graduated the first time, it, the bachelor's was all that was required. And a few people went off and got their PharmD, but not many. Many people, you know, opted to work right out of college. But when I went back and got my PharmD, I remember I, I really enjoyed, I felt like it solidified all these things that we talked more about, you know, different conditions and different disease states. And, and really, we started to look even then more holistically at the person, you know, of what the best way was to approach this. And, and the intent, I think, as pharmacists is we need to kind of have a place at the table where we're, we're encouraging, you know, a, a really, a totally holistic look at somebody's life you know, rather than just looking at pieces of the puzzle, looking at the whole entire puzzle, you know, so, and I felt that pharmacy school kind of gave me the start to that. And then um, my PharmD definitely, you know, solidified that when I, when I went through that, and I went through the additional clinical coursework, you know, for that, I felt that really kind of put me into the position that I am in now, um, that of, you know, constantly learning and changing, you know, which I think is, is huge. Yeah. So, but you know, because you have to have that mindset that, you know, the things and it's hard, it's hard for people to to change. <laughs> I mean, it just is, you know, I mean, it's just hard to change. And you have to really be, I think, as pharmacists today, we have to be so like forward thinking that even though things are the way that they are, that things are going to change, you know, and that we're going to have to keep adding you know, to what our knowledge is so that we can serve, we can better serve others, you know, down the road, I guess. Yeah, I totally agree and can relate. Um, I think what's interesting about what you said is that they gave you a problem and then they gave you a solution when they trained you and educated you. So it was like a really nice, neat little box, 
you know, that yeah. with a bow and, you know, you have problem A, you fix it with medication Z. And um, it's really a nice concept, but unfortunately in real life, we know that doesn't really work because that medication has side effects and it has interactions with other things. And it's, you're taking an exogenous chemical with other ingredients that are supposedly inert, but have other effects. And you're still burdening your detoxification organs by having to process all of that, you know, your liver and kidneys. So as pharmacists, I absolutely agree that we're kind of in this prime seat of getting the education and, and knowing everything about a drug is actually making a lot of us get turned off about using that. Oh, completely. <laughs> Probably more so than it should. Because <laughs> medications are useful. They are. And they and you need and, and it's not like I'm anti medicine. I'm not. I'm I'm more preventative. You know, I really I strongly feel that so many little things you can do and and it doesn't start you know you don't start this stuff when you're 50 you, you know these things have to kind of get into your lifestyle when you're in your 30s and 40s can you kind of change things in your 50s and 60s you can you know it's just harder you know i mean there might be more weight to lose or more changes to make in your lifestyle that you know you, you may not um you may not have been um um you know able to do but i mean i just i find that just I don't know. I, I, I think it's just very interesting. And the thing with pharmacy school too, that I kind of wish, I don't know if that's how much that's changed, but like, I remember we didn't really talk much about herbals, you know, like the uh, botanicals and stuff. There was a botany course, um, a pharmacognosy course that, but that was faded, like kind of phased out by the time I came through. And then I don't really know if they ever, you know, put that back up again, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. are offering that anymore. Uh, and I think that that's really critical because I really feel like those, those things, even though they're herbs and foods, they play, they play such a huge role in overall wellness now that I feel like we need to be trained better in that as well, you know? And that's why when this functional medicine, you know, opportunity came up and I started learning, you know, about that, I just like gravitated towards it. <laughs> You know, like it was just really easy to to get really engaged in it because I was already interested in a lot of preventative measures anyway, you know, so yeah, it, it made it kind of easy to go that route. Functional medicine is definitely like the new kid on the block. It's reforming a lot of things and uh, making noise and re-educating, which is wonderful. And, you know, getting to the root cause, like you were mentioning and being more preventative and, um, they also include a lot of testing to actually figure out exactly the mechanism of the problem so that they can uh, yes, and individualize absolutely. and personalize the medicine. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And also I wanted to mention about the botanical courses. So um, in my pharmacy school, I remember my medicinal chemistry teachers, especially those that were interested in alternative modalities, they would always talk about which plants the medications were inspired by or um, some, some medications still are derived from plants like the ergoloid mm -hmm. alkaloids, but most mm -hmm. of them are just synthetic copies of like, right. Deemed to be the right. ingredients. Correct. Yes. That's what we learned too. I remember the same thing, you know, like the digitalis plant and yeah. things like that, you know, like, you know, you knew that they came from plants, but they just didn't manufacture them anymore like that, you know? So, exactly. you know, that, and I wish that that, I wish that was brought back in, you know, I really do. I really do now. I think I'm surprised it isn't honestly, you know, that that more of that isn't in it just a, a course or, you know, just to kind of bring, to tie that all in together a little bit better, I guess I, I would, I would like to see that. Yeah, and in my um, 
in my school, we also had electives. So I remember one of my electives, I had to do a project. So I was kind of advocating of having these kind of educational opportunities at schools because as pharmacists, even if we don't um, ourselves like believe in the power of herbs, our patients will still be asking us questions. So we have to be equipped to answer them and to intelligently like research <laughs> yeah. and evidence-based yes. answers for them. So if we completely ignore that it's out there and people are using it and asking about it, we're doing our profession a disservice, you know, and completely. I think it, absolutely we should be learning about it during our school tenure because otherwise we're going to also spend time and years and money like investing in educational programs um, that mm-hmm. maybe aren't as uh you know, verified and reputable as our pharmacy school. So why not teach us something that, you know, is correct and balanced and uh, make us the experts of all kinds of medication, not just pharmaceuticals. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that. And, you know, and that's really grown too over the years. Um, because I remember when I first worked in retail, you know, years ago, in the hospital setting, it was it's completely different. You know, you really don't deal with with those kind of issues other than people coming into the hospital that have been taking it. Okay. But when you started to work in retail and you started to see, especially when, you know, those things are not really regulated the same way medications are. Okay. Mm -hmm. So people would come in and they'd say, what do you think about this? And I'd be like, gosh, you know, I don't know. Let me look. Okay. I got to look it up and check. And, you know, I I felt like I had to get really, really well educated and, and the more time passed, the more educated I had to be, you know, like now I'm feeling pretty good about a lot of that stuff. But I don't know that I felt that way 15 years ago. You know, like 15 years ago, I, people would come in and say, what do you think about this? And I'd be like, eh, I don't know. You know, are you sure you want to try this? <laughs> you know, I, I have to check. And the resources weren't there. That's no. the other thing, too. Like now, I feel like there's so many more resources available for us to be able to check and to, and to really dive into some of these things. You know, so, so that's been really helpful as well. Well, the thing is, I agree, there are definitely more resources and more experts that we can turn to for help. But um, certainly the general attitude is to not mess with it at all. Like, we don't know it, so just don't do it. Yeah, take it. yeah. It's yeah mostly, I would agree. Yeah, it's mostly very negative. It's uh, mostly mm-hmm. very fear-based. and It's fear-based, that's yeah, why. Trying to yeah. turn you know, us off <laughs> from yeah. uh, using any kind of herbals because it may interfere with the therapy of pharmacy. And it might. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it can, but you, there's ways you can manage that too, you know? I mean, that's how we manage everything, you know what I mean? So... And the other thing is just having that information, like making sure your patients tell you all the things that they mm-hmm. take. Like, I can't help you if you don't tell me everything that's going on, you know, and all yeah. the different things that you're taking, you know. So I feel that that's important, too. But, yeah, I would agree with you. There's still kind of a negative thing about that. Like, it's a little bit wackadoo over here. But you know what? If somebody is sick and, and they're desperate and they, want, they really want off of medicine, you know what I mean? I, I think that if they're willing to try it, then they have to be allowed to try it. You, you know what I mean? Like it's your yeah. own health, you know? Exactly. So I and, think, we, and, go ahead. I was going to say, and, and I think the only thing we could say is that if by being prepared, you know, we can offer that we have that knowledge that we yeah. can actually help them, you know, versus sending them off to somebody that doesn't know what they're doing you know, and stuff. And I feel like we're in a really good place to be able to say, Hey, you know, you know, I, I've learned and studied about this. Let's try it, this approach, you know, and see how this goes. And we already have 
the thing with functional medicine is that so many other practitioners are able to get involved in it, but because we have such a strong knowledge with our medications um, and our pharmacology, it's the pieces fit in so easily and so nicely, you know, and I don't feel like that's a struggle at all. You know, it's just figuring out where to, what to look for and what pieces to, to, you know, evaluate. But I feel like our background is so comprehensive that we're an easy, we're like a good fit. And the other thing too is that, you know, over the years too, everybody's been talking about, you know, pharmacists and not having provider status mm -hmm. and all that other business, you know, and that's just been a big sore spot. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think that had we had a bigger place at the table, all of us, you know, I don't think that some, I mean, I think that it would have impacted healthcare differently, you know, because I feel that we're not getting to make the decisions that we really should be making at the top of our license. And so now this functional, here comes functional medicine where we can do that, okay? And there's clearly a lot of people that are frustrated with the whole traditional approach that this is a, this is a place for us if we are interested you know, to, to help, you know, to really have a place at it and to be able to, you know, kind of impart what we know in a way that can really help others, I think. So, you know, but anyway, but yeah, but I agree, I agree with you. Yeah. And I also agree about um, having a nice platform like functional medicine, where we can impact patients with our knowledge to our fullest potential. I feel like that's the biggest frustration in life in general. If you feel like you're not maximizing your own knowledge and skills to your fullest potential and you're not feeling like you're impacting the world or improving people's lives with what you know and what you have experience in. So um, I feel like having this platform will allow us to finally kind of blossom and use our skills for good and not just for uh, dispense this and, you know, fix it yeah. that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'll call yeah. the insurance about, you know. Yeah, I was going to say in the insurance dance that we always do, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, I would agree. I would totally agree with that. So. Yeah. And another thing about herbals, like you mentioned, they phased out the, the class where they would train you on some of that stuff. I think the reason is because before herbals were a part of mainstream medicine and we had eclectic physicians and we had um, a lot of plants and botanicals and even animal tissues that we would use. Um, and then when pharma started coming onto this, this um, what do you call it? The, what is it? <laughs> the scene, yes. Pharma started coming up to the scene and um, sponsoring medical schools and pharmacy schools and um, re-calibrating like, all of our approach for you know, first, second, and third uh, approach to things and making it um, kind of not attractive to practice any kind of whole herb and whole plant medicine because mm -hmm. of the agenda and the propaganda that you know, we need an active ingredient, we don't need any of the other ingredients, let's get like a clean source of what works and disregard anything that doesn't work which was logical, but also it is very business driven. And um, it ended up with the physicians and the pharmacists only getting trained on one side of the story, which is just the chemical side, but not like the holistic health. And I, I completely side. agree. Yes. And I think I was, I was kind of in pharmacy school, coming out of pharmacy school, coming into my career when all that was going on, actually, <laughs> you know, that you mentioned that. I think I lived through that, actually. And um, I totally agree. Like, I totally agree. Because that's like, it seemed like they just were phasing it out. And the switch was more to a more purified active ingredient, because that was, after all, what really mattered, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it just kind of changed the whole face of how the approach was in a lot of ways, you know, and, and it's very interesting 
to, I often wonder what if that hadn't been the case, you know, how different would it be what we do now? How different would we be, you know, if that hadn't occurred, you know, it makes me kind of wonder about that, but yeah, I completely agree with you. It's and true. You know, for me, I always think um, about these things because I do walk the path of like both traditional and non-traditional approaches and trying to combine the two. And so uh, for me, I'm always thinking like, okay, um, we're trying to find like a purified active ingredient to fix like one single dysfunction that we think is going on. So we're kind of assessing our body as a machine that we can just go in and like fix that one tiny detail and it's going to start like smoothing itself out. But the mm -hmm. thing is our body is designed to be able to fix itself. It has all these feedback mechanisms to mm -hmm. always regulate and bring us back to homeostasis. So when we do start to mess and add in extracts and chemicals, we end up messing with the system and then we mess up that transmission and the feedback cycle which is why there's side effects and then you may develop tolerance to things and you may develop addictions and you may have to depend on a medication for a chronic condition that won't cure you, but you'll just have to use like that medicine as a bandaid and a crutch and we'll have to keep on increasing doses over time. Mm -hmm. So I think that's like a very big distinction between whole plants and how they work and extracts and medications mm -hmm. and drugs and pharmaceuticals. And I think that's, you know, that's something to consider because our body is not really designed to exist on, yes, we have narrowed down, there's trace minerals, there's vitamins, there's macronutrients, there's micronutrients, and there's antioxidants and this and this and that, that our body needs, right? But the thing is, we are part of nature and nature is providing all of those things in the plants all around us. Yeah, so I would agree. Yeah. yeah. When, you know that we have to breathe in order to live. We need oxygen from the air, right? And we uh, get everything else basically from plants. And our body is designed to digest all the plants and to keep what we need and to detoxify and get rid of what we don't need. So that, that is like how we're designed. And by something or someone greater than us, I don't know, but that is just how right. it is. So like when yeah. we go in and we start to scientifically analyze everything, it's amazing. And we have achieved so much and amazing right, right. care and right. emergency situations and surgeries and all these things. Yes, that's all wonderful. But for like 95% of the cases, um, we can actually use food as medicine and lifestyle changes as medicine to have much bigger impacts. Oh, huge, huge impacts. And the thing is, is that, you know, with so many of these medications, like I don't, I don't think sometimes that people that maybe the prescribers and even the pharmacists that don't look beyond that, like you're changing, like you said, you're changing the homeostasis of how things are, you know, and sometimes the, the side effect of the medication is worse than the illness or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is you're trying to treat. Okay. Yeah. Or it causes things, it causes these horrid side effects that you're thinking, oh my God, I, and I remember one doctor and I having a discussion about a medication. I can't remember which one it was, but I said to him, I said, straight up, I said, okay, would you take this? <laughs> and he said, no. <laughs> said, okay. <laughs> That's all righty then. So like, I mean, it's like, I, I don't know. I don't know where it got to that. I don't know where it got to that point. It just evolved. It evolved and it just continued to go down that path and it's, it's not working. You know, it'd be one thing if it were working. It's, it's not. And, and, you know, and it takes, it, it's going to take, 
some doing to change all of this, I think. But I feel that all of us that are involved in this approach, you know, is either functional medicine or whatever it is where you're approaching things in a much more, you know, preventative, holistic, healthy aging, you know, your body will heal itself if it's given the right nutrition and the right, you know, environment. That approach, I think little by little, it, it has to, it has to be pervasive throughout you know what I mean? And, and that's the only way we're going to change everything, you know, or change anything at all is by doing that and taking that approach, you know? So, but yeah, it's, it's always interesting when I, when you talk to prescribers, I think whenever I've gotten good, you know, notice, you know what I mean? When I've gotten good at talking with them and stuff and I, and I say things like that, like, would you take this? Or what do you think about this? <laughs> the answers they give you is kind of funny sometimes, you know, because I don't know, but anyway, so but yeah, yeah I absolutely completely agree. They, yeah, they yeah. they have those answers because they were also taught, you know, this is what you do for this, this is the protocol, this is what insurance will pay for, you know, if you don't do this, you will be sued for malpractice or negligence. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I feel yeah. like all of us are kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Right. We are. Yeah. You know, when when someone goes in and and their hemoglobin A1C, and this is what I would tell patients, you know, I'd say if your hemoglobin A1C gets to six and you go in to see the doctor, he has no choice but to put you on metformin, right? I mean, he has to, you know? Yeah. I said, but you don't want to get to, he has to. I mean, he, it's like, it would be a, a huge, you know, liability. It would be, you know, he has to. So you, you have to get to, you have to make it so that you don't get to that point. <laughs> you yeah. know, whatever it is that you need to do, whether it's, you know, losing weight, changing your eating habits, you know, incorporating more plants, I don't care. You know, whatever it is that we would have to do to fix that, which we can, okay, because once you get to that point, he is obligated to treat you, you know, and he's obligated to treat you in the way that he feels is best based on how he was trained, you know, and that would mean like metformin, you know, so, you know, and so saying that sometimes, you know, sometimes that works, but I think truly somebody has to want to, to change. They have to truly want to change and embrace a different way of thinking and behaving, you know, and, and knowing that you can't eat French fries and like drink all this alcohol and like be overweight and not develop diabetes. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> it just doesn't work that way. I mean, if it does good for you, but that just isn't the case. You know, there's just, there's a lot that you have to, that has to go into it. it preventative care. There's a lot to it. You know, it's not something that just happens overnight. You know, you, it's, it's a, a baby step every day you know what I mean? And incorporating these changes into your lifestyle, you know, that at the end of this, you know, you look back and you think, gosh, you know, I'm over here now. You know, I was over here where I was, you know, maybe pre-diabetic. My hemoglobin A1C was close to six. You know, I, I was 10 pounds overweight, whatever. And now I'm over here because I've incorporated these small steps, you know? So I think that's what I would like to kind of help people with, you know what I mean? Knowing that you don't have to blow everything up, you know, cause that's, that's too hard. Yeah. You know, nobody likes to do that, <laughs> you know? So it's just better to just take these incremental steps, but you have to be consistent, you know, with that. So, but anyway. Yeah. I think it's a challenge, right? Because uh, we didn't get here overnight. We didn't get no. to the state of the hemoglobin changes and the you know, truncal obesity or whatever the case is and the chronic conditions of inflammation and blood pressure. We didn't get here. We weren't born like this, right? Most of us were not yeah. born like this. Some people have genetic illnesses, predispositions right. and childhood illnesses. Yes, that's one case and one exception. 
But again, for like the majority of people, we are doing it to ourselves with lifestyle and diet and choices that we're making and stresses that we're enduring. Um, you know, this is all compounding and giving us like that picture at the end of the day. So like you said, if you focus on preventing it, and especially if you catch it early um, and you just do it in good faith, you will start to see a turnaround and a result. It's just hard to have that faith because we're in such a, um, how do you say it? Like, um, it you're like, you feel it, extreme. you feel like you're, yeah, you feel like you're predestined because your dad had diabetes or whatever. So you think, okay, he had coronary artery disease. He had diabetes. I'm doomed. <laughs> you know, yeah. people say that and it's like, well, you might, you might be predisposed. You may have the genetic predisposition. However, that gene does not have to be expressed in the same way. Absolutely. It really doesn't. Epigenetics, we now know trumps any kind of genetics because it can turn on and turn off genes. Turn off, exactly. Just with your lifestyle and diet and stress levels, you can manage your genes, believe it or not. And also, Mm -hmm. they also found out that genes don't even govern all these things. What matters more than the genetic predisposition is actually like the family you grew up in, the lifestyle that your family has passed on to you. So for example, if your family has always eaten a certain way or um, done certain things or had a big social interactions or no social interactions, all of that is kind of learned behavior that you end up doing yourself and your, and your family. So it's actually the learned behavior that you're repeating rather than genetic. I'm sorry, my crazy dog started to bark here. So dog, I apologize. I <laughs> it's okay. Hey. Get it out. Good boy. <laughs> I know. There's guarding the house here. <laughs> yeah. So basically, you know, we have research documenting this. But it was, what I was going to say earlier is that because we live in a society of instant gratification, we think like, mm-hmm. okay, let me take a pill and it's going to go away because we want the instant results. We don't want to wait around and see if our preventative approaches are working, if our diet is making a difference. Why didn't we lose five pounds overnight? We're wondering. And like I said, because it is a slow process to get here. So you have to expect that it's going to be a slow process to fix it. But um, repeating the steps and making little shifts, like you were saying, and um, making the shifts so that they're actually sustainable and not just like Mm -hmm. a crazy diet that you can't sustain for five days. um, Yeah, that never works. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, totally agree. Yeah. Whatever you do, it has to be a sustainable thing. And I'm not talking about going on vacation, you know what I mean? For a week (laughs) or whatever, like not that, you know, but just your day-to-day life in your, your choices, you know, with the amount of activity that you do, your stress level, how well you sleep, you know, the types of meals that you have that you prepare, just your, your regular everyday activities you know, and what you decide to incorporate in them and how you choose to live your life, you know, based on stress or, or, and, and sometimes stress, like for healthcare people, we're like the worst one, <laughs> yeah. you know, we go to work, <laughs> we work these 12 hour days or whatever, and we don't get a break and we're running around like, you know, with our hair on fire and it's like stress, stress, stress all day long, you know, so we're like the worst ones. We're hypocrites. It's, like, it, it's, it's bad because like we, how are we going to teach other people how to be healthy when it's hard for us to even show it, you know, with that kind of a lifestyle. And so I feel that has to so, you know, totally change, you know, and stuff. But, um, you know, the, the, the thing that I feel that, um, I, I, I think that just, 
you don't know, you know, when you start out, you know, you make these choices and you have to think about it in terms of it being just a complete lifestyle like modification instead of thinking, like you said, it just being a diet or short term, you know, because it's either you, you make these changes and you implement these things in your, in your life, like maybe in your thirties or forties or whatever. And then when you're in your sixties, maybe you're not on medication for blood pressure or diabetes, you know, maybe you're not on some of these other things that, you know, people are having to deal with. Um, you know, maybe you don't have a stroke, you know, God forbid, you know what I mean? The way people yeah. have, you know, like I, I'm seeing more and more of my peers, people that are closer in my age that have had strokes, they have, you know, diabetes, they have coronary artery disease, they have hypertension. And that just completely freaks me out. Okay. You know, and I, and maybe, you know, looking at those kind of things makes me think more, even more about being healthier. You know, you read, like I read, you know, an article in the New England Journal of Medicine about, it was a review article about intermittent fasting and the importance of, of helping your body regulate you know, your blood sugar and how it, it's, it's kind of preliminary, but it's showing really robust, you know, studies and, and robust findings as far as managing, you know, cortisol and, and, um, you know, blood pressure and all these, these chronic conditions. And I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, gosh, if that isn't motivating enough to at least try something like this, you know, knowing that it's backed up now by research. Okay. You know, I don't know what is, you know, like when I read that, that, that helps motivate me to think, okay, I need to maybe implement some of these things into my life, you know, and, and look at some of these changes, even though I feel like I'm pretty healthy all, all the way around anyway, but just, you know, whenever I read and hear about any of these kinds of things that, it makes me kind of stop and think because I know that it's, it's, it's a long journey. You know what I mean? Being healthy isn't a one day turnaround, immediate gratification thing fix. It just isn't. It's, it's a journey. It really is. It's a life's journey, you know? So, and you just have to make up your mind that you're just going to try to stay on that path the best that you can, you know? And, and I, I feel that that's, that's the only, that's the best way or the main way to have, like to be able to do the things that you enjoy doing when you're younger, as you get older, that's the best path to get there, you know, in my, in my opinion, I guess. So until yeah. somebody proves me otherwise, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think the goals of our therapy need to be crystal clear because we need to be motivated by these goals. So if the goal is like, I want to play with my grandkids and I want to feel good and, um, you know, I want to feel like I have a lot of energy at any age mm -hmm. and I want to mm -hmm. age gracefully and I want to, you know, just feel beautiful or whatever the case is. Those goals are motivating versus like, oh, uh, I want to not have uh, to take my cholesterol medications. Like I want to um, prevent this and that. Like those are kind of negative um, connotations. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that's yeah. very motivating when you're trying to like prevent bad things from happening. You're still mm -hmm. kind of thinking about the bad stuff and you want to kind of avoid mm -hmm. and be ignorant. But if you're thinking about calling in new good stuff and good habits, that might be way more uh, rewarding and motivational. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, it has to be, it has to be on a positive way. You know what I mean? It has to be preventing bad things from happening, but preventative health so that you can enjoy your life, you yeah. know, versus maybe taking the medications, although that is a great benefit, yeah. you know, as a result of that, not having to take certain meds, you know, not having to deal with certain chronic conditions that people that haven't maintained 
preventative health, you know, um, you know, they, they don't have that, you know, so. And it is difficult, like you were mentioning, to have this proof in the numbers and to measure outcomes and to see how far you've come and what kind of um, outcomes you have prevented by having these kind of lifestyle approaches. But when you look at other peers, like you were saying, in your age group, then you may see like trends and that may be eye opening and show you that it's frightening. Like where people are at, you know, and what level they're on and show you what might have been had you not done these things. So, um, yeah. and it, it's not easy, I think, also to practice preventative medicine uh, because you feel like a fish out of water. If our society mm -hmm. is not advocating for these things and not educating us, it's very difficult to, to get into the habit of educating yourself and motivating mm -hmm. yourself when mm -hmm. other people around you are not supportive and not behaving in similar fashions. Mm -hmm. so, it is. I would agree. I, I totally agree with that. It's better though. It's better. It, I feel like the it's, it's shifting, you know? Yeah, it is. Um, and there's, it's shifting. Like I, I see it with other professions, like with chiropractors, you know, like I love my chiropractor. Okay. <laughs> like, and, and like, but when I was in school back in the eighties, you know, over 30 years ago, the chiropractors weren't thought the same way that they are now, you know, yeah. neither or massage therapists or any of these types of, of, of healers of, of providers were just mm -hmm. looked at very differently than they are now, you know? So I, I feel like over time things are, are shifting. I, I do. It's just not fast enough, you know, maybe for us as pharmacists, we don't feel yeah. like, but I feel like it's shifting, but we need to get in on this is what yeah. I think. You know, I think pharmacists need to, we need to elbow our way in and be part of this, of this because we're here and we know, and we know what to do <laughs> and we know how to help you. <laughs> we do. Yeah. You know, so somebody just needs to listen to us. And I think that, you know, when with functional medicine and taking that approach, it kind of levels the field a little bit kind of opens it up because, you know, I have people in my functional medicine class, that somebody that's an acupuncturist, you know, nurse practitioners, um, chiropractors, naturopaths. That's the other, that's the other thing too, like a naturopath. People are like, what kind of doctor is that? You know, <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, it's like, it, it, that's changed. I know that's really changed over the years. I mean, but like, you know, 15, 20 years ago, that was kind of where people weren't so sure what that even meant, you know? Um, and that's also changing, thankfully, you know, and I, and I appreciate all these other professions and I feel like they have a place and I feel that we do as well, I guess. With yeah. This. And I think what you mentioned before, I think as healthcare practitioners, we should all be paving the way and being the leaders and the examples for people to look up to and mimic what we're doing so that we're not preaching to the choir. We're actually leading by example. Living it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. And making Absolutely. it and making people not feel like a fish out of water, making people think that this is what you do and this is how you mm -hmm. maintain health. And so, mm -hmm. um, like, you know, when the doctor answered, I wouldn't take this medication, this is, this is what we should be doing. We should be teaching them, like, what would we do and showing that through right. what we actually do. Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. You know, so, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's just funny. <laughs> I look back at my career. I was joking with somebody. You know, I look back at my career and it's like all, all the crazy things that happen, you know, as pharmacists that I've seen over the years, you know, and it's like you, I could write probably a couple of books, you know, about it and stuff. It'd be pretty entertaining, you know, because you think, gosh, I, I didn't, anyway, but um, 
But yeah, I'm, I'm happy though. I'm happy for where it's going. I really am. And I have to say that, you know, by pivoting this direction, I'm probably much more at peace with my profession and myself than I was before, I think. Yeah. You know, when I worked in a more, in the retail setting where all I'm worried about is automatic refills mm -hmm. and, you know, 90 day supplies because of star reviews and things like that. And that's what my employer is telling me I had to worry about, you know, that's yeah. just how it was. And you're trying to meet those metrics and, you know, you're very, really stressed out because, and I'm thinking, I'm not even helping anybody. <laughs> all I'm worried about is if, they're, if their medicines are synced up correctly and I got the doctor's order to continue the 90 days, you know? So now I feel like I'm at kind of at peace with the direction I want to go and, you know, the types of people that I'd like to help that if they're willing to work with me, I, you know, I could help them. And I feel like I'm just in, in the right place right now, you know, and that's just taken time. That's just evolved because it, it just wasn't like that, you know, when we got started. So anyway. Yeah, well, I totally resonate. And uh, Dr. Louisa, we just have a couple more minutes if you would be okay. up for some rapid fire questions. Oh, oh, rapid fire. Okay. I'll, I'll do my best. Great. Um, first question, what's your number one piece of advice for somebody to improve their quality of life right now? Right now? Um, I guess my thing would be to make sure that you, you drink enough water and you get enough sleep. I think those are the two things that I think you are, are must-dos every single day, no matter what. I think everybody will agree with that. That's not yeah. controversial. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not at all. No, just plain and easy. Okay, number two, what is your favorite pastime or hobby? Well, I, I'm an avid tennis player. So I, I have to say, if I can play as much tennis as I can, I, I'm happy. So, so I enjoy doing that a lot. And your favorite beverage to drink? Um, you know, I go back and forth between water and coffee. Um, I, I love coffee. Um, I've drank coffee for a long time. I'm Italian, so I have this whole coffee thing going on, but um, has to be the right kind of coffee, non-acidic and all that other business, but um, kind of between those two, I guess, would be my favorite beverage. Okay, well, that is a very popular and good choice. Um, so lastly, I want to ask how listeners can get in touch with you, learn more about your work and any kind of services that you are working on or providing right now. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm on Instagram, uh, Dr. Louisa PharmD. Um, I also have a website, uh, Dr. .com, uh, where you can book an appointment with me and, um, I'm good. Uh, I have, you know, I offer an initial consult at no cost where I can kind of evaluate if you'd like to work with me or not. So those are probably two of the, you know, the best ways you, you can follow me on LinkedIn if you'd like, um, as well. Um, those are pretty much the three platforms that I'm, that I'm on currently. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing amazing insight into your profession and field. And, um, I will have all the information and contact information in the show notes. So great. Uh, great. It's, it's been my pleasure. This has been great. This is, you're doing a great job here. I, I've loved every minute of this. Thank you so much and have a great evening. You too. Thank Bye. you. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Raw Fork Podcast. And I truly hope you enjoyed the show. If you learned something new from it, I would really appreciate if you can give us a five-star rating and a sincere review so that more people can find it across the podcast platforms. To get in touch with me, please go on rawfork.com or email me directly 
at marina at rawfork.com. Take good care and I'll see you back here next week.